near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. First off, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have contributed, who have sent notes of, of kindness and love as uh, any of you who have been listening for a while are aware I got the unfortunate news about a month ago that I the job that I've had for the last six years is gone as a direct result of, of COVID-19 um, because of lockdown and so forth. It has to do with investors and things like that. Well, I have some good news about that. My employer, who, who was... Um, contracted out to a company that went under because of COVID, was able to get another contract with another company and contacted me back and said, we'd love to have you back if you want to come. And, and I'm like, yes, that would be fabulous. And I was so excited to hear that because I, with this job that I've been doing, I have time to do things like this podcast. So I'm able to continue to do, do the podcast without having to worry about it having to go away because I'm not going to have time now or whatever. And as an extra bonus and as a thanks to all of you and and just as a determination to to do as much good as possible uh, in, in all of this work, I am in the process of making an audiobook version of my book, Life in the Spirit World. I'm about halfway through the book recorded now. I've kind of buckled down, and and I think within a couple of weeks I can have the main recording done, and then it's a matter of, you know, getting the publishing side all set out. So I don't know exactly how long it's going to be. Just know that it's on the way. I'm working on it, and I'm really excited to be able to put that out there. And uh, hopefully it will um, help support you know, the podcast and, and, you know, because I know that many of you are, your listeners, you're listening to a podcast, you're audiobook people, you know, a lot of you, uh, as I am. And so I'm really hoping this will um, be an additional help. And sales on the book have picked up in the last couple of months since we had a bit of a dip several months ago. If you remember back then we mentioned um, that as well, and it's starting to pick up. And I thank you, all of you, 
just for helping get the word out, for sending notes of, of love and kindness. I can't tell you what that does for me. It it just, you know, I, I'm doing lots of different work things right now. I'm doing lots of different creative efforts. But this is the thing. This podcast and the things surrounding it feel like the, they are the things that are really making a difference, that are really... I, I think they're part of my life purpose. I really do. I'm, I'm, I've come to that uh, conclusion that that's that this is at least part of it, and and possibly a big part of it. And I'm so grateful to all of you who have helped me to feel like this is making a difference. So thank you. God bless all of you. And now we'll go ahead and go into today's experiences. I'd like to read two of them. This first one is from James on enderf.org. James says, I don't recall when I crossed to the other side, but I believe it was right after my exploratory surgery. I woke up on a ledge, a ledge no wider than one to two inches. My feet felt as if I were standing on the edge of a cliff with very little purchase to keep me up. I felt a wall behind me and flattened myself to it as best I could. I was in a void, completely black, yet it felt endless. I saw nothing, only black, yet I could feel there was a down, there was an up, a ledge, and a wall. I did not know who I was or how I had gotten there. All I could think of was, don't fall. I repeated this over and over and over. I shuffled along the wall, no idea where to go. I just didn't want to fall into the darkness. I was scared, but also calm. As I shuffled along the wall, I thought to myself, How did I get here? Where did I come from? As I progressed, still repeating, Don't fall, the ledge beneath my feet began to widen. I felt a bit more secure, safer, as the ground seemed to offer me more stability, although I was still in eternal darkness. I felt the ground under me was stretching out. As soon as I felt I could walk normally, I felt safe, and I asked myself, where do I go now? All of a sudden, in the distance, I saw a star, a small speck of light, and began walking towards it. As I approached the light, it got bigger and bigger, and I began to walk faster and faster. As the light got brighter, I noticed it began to shoot lines out. I saw them simultaneously coming to the light and from the light, instantaneous, it seemed. They were laying down all around me, very much like a bitmap on a computer, just lines and squares forming what seemed to be a landscape. As I kept getting closer, the land began to fill in. I saw green grass, rolling hills, and just before I stepped into the light, I saw from the corner of my eye, the land seemed to stretch on forever, green hills and grass. Then poof, I'm in the light. It's golden, it's beautiful. The pain from the three years of my life, gone. The laughter, the love, every emotion I had had in my life was gone. I was one with everything that ever existed or ever will be. 
I knew at that moment the why of all whys. I had no questions. I had no need for answers. Everything was known in that instant I entered the light. Then it spoke to me. And as if I was speaking to myself through the voices of everything that can, does, or will exist, it simply said, you have to go back. And it was telling myself, I have to go back. But yet, I am all. So who is talking to whom? So I did not question. I already knew why I had to, why life existed, why everything happens. After it told me I had to come back, that was it. I woke up in my bed, my mother lying next to me. Five days had passed, and the cancer that was eating me alive, that the doctors had said they could not cure, was completely healed. They tested me, found I was completely void of cancer, and sent me home. Very interesting. Very, that's the end of the experience. Very interesting. And I should say, in the questionnaire uh, afterward, um, James states that uh, this was advanced Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, a very serious cancer, one that, you know, at this stage, it was, it was killing him. It, it was killing him. And he was dead from it. And, uh, it, you know, as, as part of this uh, exploratory surgery around the cancer that uh, they said was uh, incurable, um, he was healed of it. I, I emphasize that because I recently heard from a listener who had uh, told me about uh, a loved one of theirs who had had a near-death experience and had come back healed and was asking, does this happen? I mean, is this a thing? Or, you know, it's could she be mistaken or whatever? And my response is very much, it's actually very common for people to come back either completely healed or recovering very quickly from their experience. I, I don't know why. I, I'm not sure what the point is. Is it some kind of mercy from heaven? I mean, you know, why wouldn't that happen to those who nearly die and don't have a near-death experience? And maybe it does. I don't know. And then there's the possibility that they're having near-death experiences but not remembering. But there's something about having a near-death experience that heavily increases somebody's chances of a miraculous healing. Though I haven't yet seen anything to indicate the reason for that through uh, the study of near-death experiences. But it, it's just, it just seems to be common. Very interesting. This is a, a little bit of an outlier experience. I, I don't consider this to be a dream, near-dream experience where, you know, it's, it's probably a dream that has near-death elements. I think this is absolutely a full near-death experience. But it's a little bit of an outlier just because of this wall and ledge. What is that? Most people who are in the void are either standing on some unknown surface or not thinking about where they're standing. Maybe they're on a ground or whatever. But more often they're just floating in the air, not touching anything, not able to 
as far as they can tell, propel themselves in a particular direction, or even if they did, they wouldn't know it because there's just nothing to see, nothing to do. You're just they're just floating there, contemplating or you know trying to decide what's going on. And uh, in this case, James is on this ledge, telling himself, "Don't fall, don't fall." Now, had he fallen, I suspect he would find himself just floating there as everyone else does but what's this ledge i don't know it's kind of interesting though could this be akin to the barrier that is uh so common in many of these experiences or maybe this is a barrier but the interesting thing is he never looks back at the wall he doesn't have a description for the wall just that he's backed up against it and that there is this ledge that is barely enough for him to stand on. Barely. He's, he's struggling to stay on it. Interesting. Why would that be? I don't know. Is it a, uh, a projection of his psychological state? You know, he's he, his body is on the verge of death and it knows it's on this edge between life and death and it's, and it's making him, um, his mind in a state as to project this ledge I, I don't know. That that that's. I guess that's one possible explanation. Or is there a ledge in the dark, in the uh, void, that most people aren't aware of? I'm, I don't even know what that would mean. But anyway, kind of interesting. Uh, I call it an outlier experience because I've never heard of somebody standing on a ledge in this blackness or standing on any ledge in a near-death experience. I half expected, as I was reading this myself, to become a distressing near-death experience, that there was, you know, some pit below. If, if I heard that, I'd be like, oh, well, there you go. He was in this, in, in this distressing situation, and, and these lower vibration spirits, demons, or whatever, are trying to, you know, frighten and terrify him. But that doesn't seem to be the case. He's, he even says he was at peace. He was frightened, but at peace, which seems contradictory in a lot of ways. But um, perhaps his fear was not a terror, but rather just a general nervousness, which isn't always the same thing as fear. Anyway, let's go to another experience. This is by Della on Enderf.org. Della says, They had just moved me into my room after having had surgery. The nurse was checking my vital signs when she could no longer get a pulse. My soul left my body. I, my soul, was up against the ceiling in the southeast corner of the room. I could not see the body on the bed. Or I could see the body on the bed, sorry. I could see the body on the bed. The nurse kept pumping up the blood pressure cuff as another nurse went after the crash cart and help. There were now three doctors and five nurses in my room. I thought the nurse with the blood pressure cuff was funny. She would pump up, listen, pump it up again, listen, and pump it up again. I saw one doctor and one nurse fill a syringe with a very long needle that they were going to inject into my heart. I knew I was dead. I had no fear. I felt very much peace, very much at peace. I was more than willing to go, but at the very last second, I thought about what would happen to my four young children in my absence. It was like slam. I was back in my body, and I heard the nurse say, I have a pulse. 
I have told others. It was like the hand of God slammed me back into my body, much like you would slam a handful of mud against the wall. I started laughing, which no one understood. Since that day, I have no fear of death. I am far more easygoing and at peace. When I went into the doctor's office six weeks after my release, the doctor said, I have to know why you were laughing, as he told me he was scared, as I was clinically dead. I told him, from where I was, it was like watching a cartoon of the Keystone Cops. That is the end of Della's experience. Now, there's nothing uh, totally unordinary about this experience. In fact, it's probably, you know, just all-out characteristic of uh, the traditional near-death experience. Leaving the body, seeing the body worked on, back in the body. But there's just one thing that I thought was, that made this worth sharing. And that is the way she got back. She says that she is you know, watching these things, she's more than willing to go on, and it's unclear whether she knows at that at this point uh, what that means to go on, but it's clear that she has this sense that that uh, it's it's time to go or that she can go on to the next life, and uh, yet she's you know kind of like you know just kind of watching, and she says at the very last second. I thought, what would happen to my four young children in my absence? It was like, slam, I was back in my body. And I heard the nurse say, I have a pulse. Now, it's possible that the shot to the heart, which I assume was some kind of adrenaline shot, was what brought her back. But at the same time, too, it's so coordinated with her, or correlated, sorry, with the... uh, thought of what would my young children do, that I have a sense that she was the one that decided to come back, and that because she decided, she came back. Now, we hear about the decision of whether or not to come back over and over again, and often um, people are not given a choice. They want to stay, but they're sent back anyway. But it happens often enough that people have a choice, they make the choice, and they, and they come back out of a choice. That it makes me think that there is more that happens to our bodies because of the consent of our spirit than we might know. Now, maybe this is a stretch. Maybe this is pushing things a little far. But I'm left to wonder if perhaps... Some of the times that when we experience physical trial of some kind, be it an injury, be it sickness, whatever, it is our spirit saying it's time to learn something. I don't know. Is that a stretch? Maybe. But we do know that while we're in the spirit form, before we came here from near-death experiences, we learn that we chose our trials. We chose what they would be, and we chose what kind of life we'd want to live, you know, our financial situation, our parent situation, what kind of uh, role we would have in this life, to who knows what details. Some people um, suggest that, you know, right down to the, you know, the bumps and bruises 
and others just kind of suggest that, you know, we chose our path in life, so to speak. But whichever way you're looking at it, our spirits know what they're up to. And yet, we are our spirits. We are the part of us that goes on. And so, that part of us that's blocked, that is part of our spiritual memory, is what keeps us from remembering why we came, why this trial is important to us, why we have to go on living, why all this stuff. And yet our spirit knows somewhere deep down. And we tend to think of that deep down as being our spirit, and it is. But it seems to be even deeper than that because sometimes it takes convincing for even a spirit to decide to return. So it's like they know their purpose. They've been told their purpose. They've shown and they have this deep inner knowing of it. And yet, even on the other side, they have to be either convinced of it, reminded of it, that they're on a time crunch because their body is, you know, not breathing, not beating, and they need to get back. But they're not convinced. They're like, I don't want to go. No, I want to stay right here. And so guides or God or Jesus or somebody will often show them, well, let me show you why you decided to come here in the first place to earth and have this mortal life. They're shown that and they go, oh, okay, I guess I'll go back then. And as they go back, that memory of what that was that they needed to come back for is taken from them almost inevitably. That memory is taken from them. And yet, they come back, and they often have regrets about coming back, but they come back, and uh, we can only hope that they fulfill that unknown purpose or that reason for them coming back. But to me, that reiterates that idea that there are levels upon levels of us, and that deepest part of us is part of the rest of the universe, whatever that means, and uh, we are all one with everything, and yet we are these unique individual souls with, with agency and with um, desires, passions, our own path, our own purpose, our own hopes, dreams, and desires. So I find that all very interesting. So, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email me directly at chaz at ndepodcast.org. And I apologize if I've ever said .com. I have a tendency to forget that little detail occasionally. But uh, ndepodcast.org, you can see past episodes. If you are new to the podcast and you only have access to a few episodes, you can go to neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and you will see all, oh gosh, we're, we're somewhere around 300 episodes by now. There are lots of old episodes and there are more coming. So you can follow them there. You can also contribute to the podcast by, by becoming an ongoing monthly contributor by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast. Now, if you are contributing to uh, um, patreon.com slash ndecast, um, you know, there's two different links there. They both support the same podcast. It's just uh, the, uh, the new NDE 
podcast um, one is the one that we're kind of emphasizing where we're kind of um, weaning out on the old one and bringing in the new one, which is the NDE podcast uh, podcast. But, you know, either one that you're contributing to, it does contribute to the podcast. Um, so John can give you more details about that if he feels the need. Otherwise, just, hey, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of my week. I I genuinely, genuinely feel great love coming from all of you. And I want you to know that that love extends out from me to all of you as well. I genuinely love you guys. I feel it more every time I record these podcasts. So once again, thank you again for listening.